Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 27th of October 2013, entitled, Let Us Draw Near, and the Bible reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Hebrews chapter 10 for our scripture reading, and we'll be reading there verses 19 through 22. We could really, if we had time, we could take, and Hebrews is one of those books, you know, most places in the Bible, it's hard to, to find a beginning and a, and a closing place when we start reading God's Word because it just, uh, one thing leads to another to another. And of course, Hebrews, not only is it hard sometimes to find a starting and stopping place within a, a chapter because we could easily read this entire chapter this morning, uh, but it's even, as a book, it's hard to find a, a starting and a stopping point. But our attention this morning, we want to focus upon these verses, and certainly what I hope would not be uh, something new or unusual to any of you this morning, but a very simple message for you this morning, which can have such an impact on your life day by day. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, I invite you to stand with us this morning to honor the reading of God's holy and precious word, beginning in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. It says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Again, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the time that we can have together around it. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us this morning, Lord, that is the only one that is able and capable of giving us understanding of what we need here today. We'll see in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. I really take the title of this morning's sermon Simply the first four words there in verse 22, which says, let us draw nigh. Let us draw near. We find that, uh, of course, as we, uh, we look there, this is an encouragement. We know that originally there's debate over who wrote uh, the book of Hebrews, whether you believe that it was the, the Apostle Paul, which I tend to lean towards, but we've got to be careful not to be dogmatic about things the Bible isn't dogmatic on, but... We know that originally it was inspired and it was written by God himself through whoever penned it. But of course, being written to the nation of Israel, being written to the Hebrews themselves, which is where it gets his name. And so we find that there is much in this book that is comparing and relating the, the Old Testament, uh, the practices, the law, the, uh, the sacrifices, the worship of that to this new and living way that is being presented to us again here in this passage, the encouragement that is coming is to let us draw near to God. Now, what does it mean to draw near? Well, it's, it's really, really very, very interesting. Um, you know, it's like, I mean, Brother Andrew is sitting right there this morning. Brother Andrew, would you, would you say that I'm near to you, brother? Yeah, well, it is in, in comparison. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's near in comparison to, uh, to being farther away somewhere. Uh, Brother Antonio, am I, am I near to you? 
I'm nowhere near as near to you as Brother Steve is there, though, because, uh, you know, you guys are kind of rubbing elbows there this morning. Um, the thing is, it's relative. You know, it's like when I was able to go back and visit my mother this past, uh, uh, this past summer. And, uh, and of course, you know, that's some few thousand miles away from here to, uh, uh, to North Carolina. Uh, but it's funny, I mean, when we got on the plane in London and we got off the plane in, uh, in New York, I mean, in New York, I still had a, at least a 12-hour journey ahead of me to drive to North Carolina, but I felt near uh, because I was a whole lot nearer than I was when I left London to get there. Uh, near is a relative thing. Uh, you know, I was a whole lot near when I walked through her front door and surprised her because she didn't know that I was going to come through that front door. Uh, and uh, so, you know, the thing is, is that, uh, uh, you know, the Bible is giving us an encouragement here to draw near to God. But exactly what is it meaning by that? Well, the Bible itself is the greatest interpreter of the Bible. And of course, we have the, uh, uh, the exact location of what he means by drawing near because what did he say there in verse 19? Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into what? The holiest by the blood of Jesus. So he's talking about the Holy of Holies. Now remember, he's talking to the Hebrew people, which they were used under their, uh, their system in the Old Testament, that there was only one person that entered into the Holy of Holies, and that was the high priest. And the high priest went in there, and there was that veil, and he would go in, and they even you know, had to tie a cord around his ankle before he went in in case he messed up. They couldn't even go in there to get him. They had to be able to pull him out. So the Holy of Holies. They knew exactly what the holiest was, and they knew that it was behind that veil where that priest went on, that that was the very presence of God. They knew that's where God was. They knew that's as close as you could get to God on this earth because that was where he dwelt in his earthly hands. So, so we're talking about drawing near to God. We're talk, talking not about nearness in relation to being, well, we could say thousands, we could say hundreds of thousands, we could say millions, we could say billions. You know, man has never made a telescope or anything powerful enough to see heaven yet. We don't know how far it is. The simple truth is, though, is he's making it very clear here. He's talking about getting near, Andrew. I mean, he's talking about getting right in there with God, right in the Holy of Holies where God is at himself. Draw near to God. You know, as children of God, we need to be near our Father. So how do we get there? How do we draw near to God? Well, first of all, it's very important that we recognize that there is only one way to get near to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. There is no other. He first of all says, by the blood of Jesus. Now, if you back up, and you notice back up in verse 4 of this same chapter, he said, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. The priest had to go in there time and time and time again, making that atonement. But he says, all that blood is not possible, he says, that the blood of those sacrifices of those bulls and those goats could take away sin. Notice what he says then down in verse 9. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second by the which will we are sanctified 
through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, he says, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. That's pretty close to God, isn't it? From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstools. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You see, there's only one way. You can't get near to God except by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's impossible. Nothing else. All those sacrifices, as religious as it might have been, they never took away sin. We'll see later, sin is what separates us from God. So how do we draw nigh to God? First of all, the blood of Jesus Christ must be applied to your sin. By the blood of Jesus, he says, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us. Boy, I'm glad God did it all. <laughs> a new and a living way. They knew exactly what he was talking about. As a matter of fact, amongst the, the Jews by this time in the New Testament, it was very, very common to speak about this, these followers of Christ, this, this thing that was happening as the way. He's saying, I'm showing you a new and a living way, not the old dead sacrifices, not that which you've been used to under the Old Testament, a new and a living way. They knew full well. They knew exactly that this meant Jesus Christ by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated. The old way was not sufficient. It wasn't sufficient for an eternal sacrifice, but in Jesus, they could have confidence. They could know this way was not only good enough for now, it was good enough forever. How can we draw near to God? By the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. So it was his flesh, literally him in his bodily presence here upon this earth, his flesh, speaking of his death on the cross. He physically came and died on that cross. You see, it was his sacrifice, his literal sacrifice as he hung there on that cross. When he made that sacrifice of his own blood, the Bible teaches us <laughs> that the veil of that temple was torn in twain. It was ripped down. It was ripped out of the way. It had always been there. It always separated the people from God. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, by this new and living way, through the veil is, that is through what Jesus Christ did in his flesh. That veil is torn away. Who was it that used to be behind there? Just the high priest. But what does he say here? And having an high priest over the house of God. We don't need an earthly priest any longer. He's showing them so clearly here. This new, this living way, Jesus is our high priest. He's the only mediator between God and man. There is no other way to get to God. There is no other way to draw near to God except through him. But you know what? 
He is not only the only way, he is all that you need. You don't need anything more than him. So let us draw near. May I say to you here this morning, as simply as I know how, and trust and pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to your heart, if your sins have never been dealt with, there's nothing else that will deal with it. You can have all the sincerity in the world. You can be the nicest person that ever walked on planet Earth. You can be so religious that you're more faithful with your, your prayers and your reading and you're doing all the deeds that you're supposed to do than anybody else in here and still not be able to go into the presence of God. There's only one way. But praise God, it is a sufficient way for all of eternity. Today, if you don't know if you don't know that your sins have been dealt with today, today is the day that you can come to God, that you can seek that forgiveness because of what Jesus did for you, not because of what you're going to do for God, not because of what you're going to quit doing, not because of how much you love God in your heart. A lot of those things are good things, but there's only one way to come into the presence of God, and that's by the blood of Jesus by this new and living way that's in him alone, his death, his burial, his resurrection, him, your mediator between here and God's presence. So you're invited this morning into the holiest, into the very holy of holies, into the very presence of God. Let us draw near. I believe this passage presents some clear steps for the believer to be able to continually draw near to God. And that's what I want to give you this morning. First of all, if we are to draw near, we need to draw near, listen, very simply, with a conscious action. You see, the Bible's already showed us clearly that God has done everything. It's only God that's accomplished all that needs to be done in order for you to be consecrated, sanctified, brought into the presence of God. But now here, he's saying, let us draw near. This is requiring something on our part. Let us draw near. I guess the first question would be, do you really want to get that close to the Lord? Do you really want to be that close to God? Is it something that you truly hunger and thirst for in your soul? That you want to be near to him? You see, the truth is, I know and you know, <laughs> we're not, we don't have any young children in here this morning. Well, a couple back there. They'll find out in time to come. But the rest of you, I'm sure at some point, Maybe you still got the same one, but you've had a sweetheart. <laughs> Somebody that just, boy, they just hold that special place in your heart. And you know what's just a natural thing? When you love somebody, when they have that special place in your heart, you know what? You want to be near them. You want to be near them. It's just a natural thing. You want to draw close. Matter of fact, it's a really, really, really bad time. You know, I can remember at times when I can remember when I spent a bomb prior to, uh, to mobile phones and uh, all these technological advances that we have today. Uh, back when I first came to this country in the, in the uh, mid-'70s, it was the old red phone boxes if you were going to use anything that you didn't have yourself. And to make a long-distance call in those days, it took a whole lot of coins through there. 
And yet Janie was down in Bournemouth, and I was up there at Milton Hall at the Air Force Base. And, boy, you know, I just, you know, every day I'm putting all those coins in that phone. You know why? Because even though I wasn't physically near, it made me feel like I was nearer to the one that had that special place in my heart. You see, I'm asking you this morning, let us draw near. Do you really want to draw near? Is that because, does God have that truly special place in your heart? Is it something that you consciously think about and desire and want to be near to him? We sang it earlier. And the psalmist wrote in Psalm 42, verses 1 to 3, he said, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? You see, the psalmist is saying, boy, from everything within me, I long. Just like that deer when he's been running through the woods and he's panting and, and boy, he just can't wait to get to that water brook and to lap up that water. Have you ever been really, really thirsty most of us haven't. Get stranded out in the middle of the desert and you'll find out what real thirst is. But the truth is, is that most of us know some kind of a degree of it and there is that natural craving. If you haven't had anything to drink, that you naturally just begin to, to want that drink so much. In fact, if you do happen to get stuck in the middle of the desert sometimes, sometimes that desire can be so so strong that you start visualizing it and seeing all these mirages because you need it and you want it so bad, but it's not really there. But you want it so much. You see, I can remember a song that was written. Some of you probably have maybe never heard of him on this side, but a songwriter by the name of Squire Parsons. Squire Parsons actually lives within about an hour from where my home is in North Carolina. But he was raised, he was a deacon's kid that, that grew up in church in West Virginia. And he went off and he went and got all these big degrees at university for music and all these things. But then God got a hold of him and he began using that talent for the Lord. And he began singing. And for a few years, he sang with some of the big, well-known Christian groups. But then he ended up being ordained into the ministry. And for the rest of his life, and he's, I would guess, somewhere in his probably late 60s, early 70s now, uh, he spent both preaching and singing God's Word. And one of the songs that he wrote, which uh, if I'd had the nerve, I'd have sung it for you this morning, but uh, I'm not quite that brave. Uh, but he said, when I could not go to where he is, he came to me. He came to me. And the song is really about that theme, about God coming to us when we couldn't go to him. Why? Because as we've seen here, because there was this sin problem. And all the sacrifices and all the things that we could do couldn't take care of that sin problem, so we couldn't get to God. But God came to you in the person of Jesus Christ. God came to you when you couldn't come to him. <clears throat> if you're a Christian here today, if you're true a believer, if you're, if you're truly a child of God, God drew near to you one day. Yes, he drew near when Jesus died upon the cross, but then he came to you personally. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. He came to you through His Word, by the power of His Spirit, which is here to convict and to draw men to Him. We find that God came to you when you couldn't come to Him. You know, God may be drawing you here this morning. As an unbeliever, He may be drawing you to that place at the cross. 
And you're going to have a choice to make. And you will make a choice one way or the other. Maybe you're here a Christian today and, and you know what it's like to be forgiven. You know what it's like to be saved. But you also know that you're not rubbing elbows with him right now. That you're not where you need to be. That there's things that, is, that has come in your relationship. And God is saying to you this morning, let us draw near. Let us draw near. Let us have that, that time together. There's some interesting things, and I'll give you this. I'm not going to give you a language lesson here this morning, but in these four simple words, let us draw near. If you go back and if you look at these words and when they were originally penned, and you find that, first of all, that these four words, they're, they're given in the middle voice. Now, what does that mean? That simply means it's kind of what we know as a, as a reflexive uh, uh, mode, which is where the subject, which in this case, let us, us is the subject that's, that's doing the acting there. It's where that subject participates in the result of the action. Let us draw near. It's the us that is involved in this action. You see, we might say he did it for himself. And that's the kind of the thing that we're talking about. It's, but it's also what is known as a subjunctive mood. And you know what that means? It's kind of like we say it's subjective. It could be. The possibility is completely there, but it doesn't necessarily have to. You see, he did it for himself. You could say, well, he can, he would, he might. Everything is there that makes it possible, but whether or not he does it is a choice that he will make. So let us draw near. So when we look at it that way, we know that, in other words, we need to do something. God has done everything. He came to us when we couldn't come to him. But in this instance, because of the blood of Jesus, because of what Christ has accomplished for us, God came to us. Now he's saying, let us draw near. Let us draw near. We find that we have a part in that us. You know, that let us draw also shows us something else which I think is really exciting. It's what's known as a continuous present. <laughs> what does that mean? That means it was true when it was spoken, and it's true today. It's a continuous. It's always an action in the present. It's always there. God didn't withdraw this. In other words, he didn't say, do this within the next 1,000 years or it's going to be withdrawn. It's something that is continually always there. And only when that first part of this that we've already read about by the blood of Jesus Christ, only when Jesus Christ himself returns, only will that invitation be removed and therefore the second part go with it. But that's another sermon and another day. For us right now, we know, we know that this is a promise. This is something that's for you and I today. That's the way God gave it to us. Even though that he gave this some couple thousand years ago, it's still active today. It's still just as good today as it was then. Let us draw near. You see, the invitation is there if only your faith will take hold of it.
God is always looking for volunteers. I've used the slogan sometimes, even though I was in the Air Force, that the U.S. Marines, which are supposed to be the toughest of all the lot of those military guys, and they have a slogan which says that they need a few good men. <laughs> a few good men. God needs a few good men, women. God needs some committed people today. If we want to walk close to the Lord, what I'm saying to you today is, folks, it won't just happen by accident. God has done everything. God came to you when you couldn't come to Him. But you have a choice today to draw near to Him, to be near to Him or not. We find that the possibility, this possible action, only becomes possible because of the first part that we see, because of the blood of Jesus, because of His sacrifice. That's what makes this a continuous possible. <coughs> we draw near with a conscious action. Secondly, we draw near with a correct attitude. A conscious action or act or whatever <coughs> that you want to call it there, a correct attitude. Let us draw near, notice the next four words, with a true heart. Let us draw near with a true heart. You see, what's it mean with a true heart? Well, he's speaking of absolute sincerity. He's speaking of that which comes from within, not just the mind, not just the external. We have a good example of one that, uh, <laughs> that did not have a true heart. John chapter 12, verses 5 to 6. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. So Judas has got the bag. All this ointment's being used on the Lord's feet. Well, you know, hey, you know, we should have sold this and took the money and done some good with it. But that wasn't what he really meant, the Bible says. In his heart, he was a thief. In his heart, he was thinking about, boy, this could have done more good for me than what it's done on the feet of Jesus. You see... You can't come to Jesus that way. Christianity, everything about it, it's of the heart. It comes from within. It's not aimed at the head. That bothers some people. Do you know that God will accept the most illiterate man, woman, boy, or girl that you can think of, that you can imagine, if they will come to him through faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work? They might not be able to read a word. God can use the person where their heart's right, the sincere, with a divine call from heaven. He can reach that individual to reach far many more souls than someone with the greatest intellect and learning in all the world, but it's all up here. Now, I'm not proclaiming a need for ignorance this morning. <laughs> You know, we have a responsibility. We need to know God's Word and understand God's Word to the very best of our ability. And I don't try to put all those hours of studying and preparation in every week so that it can get up here and not give you something that will help you from His Word. You see, I'm just saying that we can know it inside and out. There are so many educators that can take this book 
And they can tell you all the stories and call all the names of all the individuals in here. And yet, they don't know the person of that book. They know all about him. They know all the miracles that he performed. They know all the, the things that he did. But they don't know him. You see, you can't have that desire just about somebody that you know about. That heart's desire comes from somebody that you know very personally indeed. I remember hearing a dear friend of mine, Dr. Earl White, who's been a great blessing to me over the years. And again, I guess Dr. White must be in his 80s now. And, and I guess at a time when most people quit, well, he's not able to physically pastor anymore, but he still does these meditations that he sends out to all these people of God just day after day after day because it's something that he can still do because he has that desire of his heart. But I remember him telling a story one time uh, because Dr. White used to teach in a Bible institute and in a, in a seminary. And he told about one time, of course, there's a big difference in whether you're going to a college, university, and seminary or an institute. There are different requirements to be there. And he had a student one time that had rolled in the institute where he was teaching. And he hadn't long been started until he came to Dr. White and he said, you know, Dr. White, he said, I'm really going to, I'm afraid I'm really going to struggle. I may have bit off more than I could chew here. I, I, I don't think I'll be able to pass this because, Dr. White, the thing is, I, you know, I, I really want to learn. I really want to be able to serve God better. But he said, uh, he said it's embarrassing, but he said, I, I can't read. I won't be able to read the, the test. I won't be able to know how to answer those and whatnot. Well, Dr. White stood and thought, and again, okay, it helps a lot to be able to read when you're in school. But his object there was to help, to encourage, to build up. So he told this young man, he said, well, if you get your wife to help you with your reading assignments at home, he said, I will orally give you the quiz, the test. He'd get, like to give a lot of quiz. I guess never thought about it, but uh, it's like when I teach at the Bible college. I give them a quiz every day. <laughs> uh, every day uh, they get a quiz. Uh, now, they can use their Bibles. I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm trying, but the thing is, what's the point of starting something new if you haven't got what we talked about yesterday? Um, the interesting thing is, is that... Uh, now, Dr. White felt that it was right to do this in this situation, and he did. And ironically, this guy ended up being one of the top marks in the class instead of one of the lowest uh, because he had such a desire to learn God's Word and to do it. And he, he had, you know, okay, he hadn't applied himself as a young person when he should have, when he had that opportunity for education, but now he wanted to know. I could tell you many that I know of, even relatives, that in bygone generations, when education was not as plentiful and there for everybody's opportunity as it is today. They weren't able to be good readers. But I know many of them, that's how they learned to read, <laughs> was reading God's Word. That was the greatest book in all the world to, to learn to read. What am I saying to you? Well, I'm saying, where's your heart? Do you really want to draw near to God? Is that what you really want with your very being? Because if it's not in your heart, then it's not going to happen. If it is in your heart, then do something about it. You say, but I'm a good Christian. I'm a fine Christian. I live day to day. I do all the... That's right. That's great. I'm just wanting to show you today how you can be even more excited because that one that you love more than anything in the world, you can be right there next to them, right there near to them. That ought to make you happy. It ought to make your Christian life even greater than it's ever been before. Because you're near to one that you love. Let us draw near.
If we're going to draw near, we need a conscious action. We need a correct attitude. But thirdly, we need a confident assurance. Let us draw near with a true heart. Notice the next five words, in full assurance of faith. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Easy words to say. Well, Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. That's hard. <laughs> Brother Romani, you've been privileged to get a good education. Have you ever had something, you know, I mean, you learned something and you, you know, you worked hard and you gained all this and in the end, you end up scratching your head you know, you got all these, all these facts that are there, but in a practical sense, they just don't make any sense at all. <laughs> you know, and it's hard for us to come around and understand, but, you know, we're determined this is the way it's got to be because that's the way we learned it. But in actual fact, it's not. We, we like our understanding. We don't like to feel stupid. We don't like to feel that all that hard work and understanding that, that we've gained is not correct. The Bible's saying simply, look, you know, again, he's not saying don't understand. He's just saying you can't trust your own understanding, but you can trust God's 100%. Somebody could have taught you wrong. You could have misunderstood when you learned it. You could have forgotten one important step. There's all kinds of things that could be wrong with your understanding, but nothing is ever wrong with God's understanding. You see, when you draw near to him, it's... In full assurance of faith, because you trust him with all your heart. First Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 to 24, he says, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. You know, I don't know why. You ever do things sometimes that you know you shouldn't do and you do them and it's stupid? I, I read an article by, by, by Dawkins this week, <laughs> and I got led to it because of a comment that had been made in some devotional that I was reading, and it talked about how I ended up following these things through, and I ended up there and... And I mean, you know, I don't, honestly, I don't, I don't know how that I could have gotten much more reared up inside, you know. I mean, I just, I just want, I could have probably written him a book back in response to it, you know. I mean, you know, this guy, I mean, he's talking about, I mean, literally, of course, if you've read any of his stuff, you know, he thinks that anybody with any kind of a faith in a supreme being is, uh, is about the dumbest, stupidest. He doesn't, he doesn't pull any punches in the, in the terms that he'll use for you, that's for sure. Uneducated people in all the world. <laughs> and, of course, he was really ranting and raving in this article because he thought, uh, I guess we Americans had an extra special dose of that uh, because he was, how could these politicians, these people that are supposed to be leading, how could they, you know, believe in creation over evolution and all this stuff, you know, and it just shows their ignorance and everything. And, and, of course, this is a guy that, you know, that, I mean, he's spending his whole life trying to convince others that there is no God. 
After that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. You know, sometimes I look at the things that they're basing it on, and I say, how could you be so stupid? <laughs> that requires more faith than, than, than what I, I require. But man's wisdom will never lead us to God. It's easy to say we have faith, that we believe God, that we believe His promises. But I simply say to you, let us draw nigh. Let us draw near this morning. When you come to God, do you come in full assurance? That doesn't leave anything out. Full assurance. In other words, do you have complete, utter confidence in Him? Do you take Him for what He says? Do you believe what He says? Every word of it. Do you have that full confidence regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what trials that you might be going through, regardless of what everything else is saying? Sometimes when we need to draw near the most, we don't have the correct attitude. <laughs> we don't have this full assurance of faith. So we're missing out on the one hand and what our heart's wanting, and we're missing out on the other because we've allowed doubts to creep in because of other things besides what God has said to us. Folks, it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to get through that first part that brings us into the Holy of Holies in the first place without faith and total faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work. But as Christians also, I see so many Christians, they've had that saving faith. But we should have our complete utter confidence in Him 24-7, no matter what's going on, do we trust Him? You know what? You really can count on God. Some people, you know, we, we talk about the Bible, you know, that some things are impossible with man, but they're possible with God. And sometimes we take it and turn and say, well, nothing is impossible with God. Well, Actually, there is. It's impossible for God not to be there. <laughs> it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God not to keep His promise. It's impossible for God to fail you. You can fail yourself. But God is saying to you right here, oh, let us draw near. <laughs> let us draw near. But if you're going to draw near, it's going to take a conscious act on your part it's going to take a correct attitude from your heart within. And it's going to take a confident assurance in Him. In believing, in accepting. And I want to give you this fourth thing in closing. It requires a conscious action, a correct attitude, a confident assurance, but fourthly, a, notice this really hard word, clean. C-L- E-A-N, a clean association. Do you know that there can never be anything dirty about your association with God? <laughs> he goes on in our verse here, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. My pages are stuck together. We find that... Uh, he goes on to say, let us draw near with a true heart, with a true heart. Let us draw near, not only with a true heart, but 
He says here, in full assurance of faith, and then notice the last part of the verse, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You see, God can't tolerate sin. He can't. He can't condone it in any way. No matter how good you are, no matter how much He loves you, do you realize that when Jesus Christ hung on the cross and He became sin for us? Jesus hung on the cross and He said, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? There was a darkness upon the face of this earth for three hours. I don't think we ever comprehend and understand all that that was about, but I'll tell you this. When Jesus became sin for you, even God had to turn away from his own son. Jesus felt it as he hung there on the cross. You see, sin separates. It separates every time from a holy God. We have to deal with the sin problem before we can come to him in the first place. And guess what? We have to keep continually dealing with that sin problem as long as we still have this flesh to contend with. What do we do? Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, having our hearts sprinkled, that inward cleansing, that can only come with a contrite spirit, as long as you got that old proudful thing that you're such a good Christian and you're never going to stumble and you're never going to get it wrong. No. We need to be reminded. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of what? Of the heart. Of the heart. He can get where no doctor can get. <laughs> <laughs> where no other human being can ever possibly see to. The Word of God can search the heart. It searches the very motives of the actions, not just the actions themselves. It is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, as Christians, we need to go to get a good dose of 1 John 1, 9. <laughs> We need a good 1 John 1, 9 cleansing. He said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He goes on in the next verse, says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Interesting. His word is not in us. If we don't believe that we've sinned, God's Word can't be in us and us not recognize that we've sinned. Guess what? You sin. Your pastor sins. Everybody sins. That doesn't make sin okay. That's not a license to sin. It doesn't give you an excuse to sin just because you're not perfect yet. Folks, you've got to take a bath sometimes to get the dirt off. We live in a filthy, dirty world. You know what? We get filthy, dirty bodies that continually need to be cleansed. 
He says, and bodies washed with pure water. Our hearts, our bodies, we need cleansing inside and out. That cleansing always begins on the inside and then makes its way out. Ephesians 5, 25 and 27, here in comparing the relationship of husband and wife and Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, he says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. What? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. <clears throat> that's the goal, folks. And that's what's going to happen, and that's what Jesus is going to do to all of us. This is no coincidence. I don't have time. Our, our time is gone. Wow, no clocks in heaven. Praise God. <laughs> but the thing is, it is. Faith coming by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. It's that if you say that you haven't sinned, then you make God a liar, and His Word is not in you. Hear that we're washed, we're cleansed by the Word. You see, you can't be clean if you avoid the water. You ever seen a crying baby? Mom, Dad, they get the bathwater all ready, and boy, everything's there, ready to clean that baby, and that baby just pitches a fit. It don't want that bath. Sometimes boys and girls do that too. I don't mean to be crude, but I've met a few adults that could use a bath as well. <laughs> you see, you say, well, I mean, I don't, I don't care. No, but the person sitting next to you does maybe. <laughs> Fact is, folks, if, if we don't clean ourselves, we get dirty and stinky. That's not hard to figure out, is it? Well, guess what? If we don't clean ourselves spiritually, we get dirty and stinky just like we do physically. People don't cleanse themselves, which comes by, by God's Word. They avoid it. How much time do we spend with Him in His Word? You see, His Word is what is required to do that cleansing. And yet, so many times it has such a small place in our lives. Well, do you want to draw near to God? God uses this let us, you and me, let us draw near. Well, God's done everything on his part to draw you to him when you couldn't go there yourself. But now that you've done that, he wants you to be right there with him. He wants you to draw near to him. And, and the, these aren't genius things, folks. These are just taking a few words out of God's Bible and taking them for exactly what they mean. It takes a conscious action. Let us draw near. God's done some things that you could never do. But you've got a choice. You can draw near or you can keep your distance. It takes a conscious action. It takes a correct attitude. It's going to come from your heart, a true heart, a sincere heart, a genuine heart, an honest heart if you would. A confident assurance. You're not going to really go... Go to God and have full assurance, your faith in Him, if you're doubting His Word, if you're doubting Him, if you're doubting His promises, a clean association. You want to draw near to God? You need to take a bath. You need to just confess. You know, he's, everything's done. 
It's all there. Everything's there for you to be cleansed with because God's the only one that can do it. He did it through Jesus Christ. You've got to go and confess it. He'll give you the bath. He'll clean you up. You go and confess it. Get in the bath. Don't let it separate you. Don't let those little things. Now, I know you're not perfect. But you know what? If you looked at yourself and said, well, there's no point in taking a bath because I'm dirty anyway. I'll just get dirty again. <laughs> no, the truth is you continually wash yourself. You continually cleanse yourself. And the same thing spiritually. God wants to draw near to you today. If you're here today, if you've never come by the blood of Jesus, if you've never come this new and living way that he has consecrated for us through the veil, through his flesh, through his death, burial, resurrection, through him, he's now the high priest over the house of God. Nobody else, Jesus, and he's here for you today. And Christian, you say this is a continuous action. What's got your heart's desire right now? You want to draw near to God? So something you do, do, you, do you really, really have that closeness, that nearness? Maybe some of these simple, simple truths from this verse will help you this morning to draw near to him because that's what God wants with all of his heart. But what about you? You have that choice today. You can or you can't. The possibility is absolutely there. There's nothing to stop it if you'll just accept his invitation. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the time that, Lord, we could spend in it. And, Lord, I know that so much here and so little time. But I pray you've taken these simple thoughts this morning and spoken to hearts. You know the hearts. You know each one that is here. And you knew who would be here before you laid this message on my heart today. So, Father, we just pray that you take it and use it for your glory, for your honor, as you will. And I pray for each one here this morning. Lord, if there be anyone here that's never truly been born again, Father, I pray that you would just once again today show them in their heart their need. Show them that, Lord, that invitation is there for them. And, Father, for every believer here today, I pray that in some way, shape, or form, that each and every one of us could leave here today nearer to you than when we entered. And we give you the praise and thanks for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.